mountain moves not because of anything in me. You are about to come into a new day in your life. This is the Journey Till Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination. To find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, ups and downs, it's in that, it's really in those moments that makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of his own. Michael Phillips is an author. He's an international speaker. Please help me welcome Michael to the show. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I am just, I'm just honored to be in your presence and to be in, you know, and have a conversation with someone that's of spiritual uh, mindset and just see where this goes. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So talk to me. I know that your 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 brand, your focus, really more so than anything, is about helping people and helping others. And whenever I see a story like that, I automatically think, what happened within that person? What happened to them? Because usually, when there's a person that's that's giving and anxious and willing to help, something happened within there to give them the empathy to know that's what's needed. Can you dive in and tell us what happened in your world and your journey to kind of put you in that place? Yeah, uh, you know, I often say that empathy doesn't need a lot of details, just needs a Mm. mirror. Yeah. You know, if you could see somebody else's life through yours, if you could see yourself in them, uh, then it's easy to help people. It's easy to want to help people to live a better life. And so for me personally, um, my life's journey um, really uh, began to hit its roughest patch when my father died. I was 12 years old. Uh, it was an earth-shattering event in my life because of who he was to me. Uh, I am the youngest of four, and uh, you know we had a very tight-knit family. And he kept me away from uh, the elements of the world that would you know, await me and want me to participate, particularly uh, in the environment in which I grew up in. Uh, but when he died, um, it, it kind of forced me to lose my connection spiritually as well uh, as to gravitate towards more street life. And that was the beginning of uh, what I call my undoing <laughs> um, as a teenager. And those struggles were back and forth, back and forth throughout my teenage life. And the only thing that kept me on track was in my life was sports. But at 17 years old, I was in a horrific car accident uh, Mm. that almost took my life. Um, My lower torso was caught underneath the dash of the car. My upper torso went through the windshield of the car. And uh, consequently, I lost, um, you know, the ability to be as athletic as I, I was. And uh, incidentally, I lost my scholarship to college, Division One school. And so that set me on a spiraling um, pace uh, towards a, a, a dark scenario that I didn't want to go into. And I bought into the assumption that the only way I could have a passport to this world, the only way I could be successful is to go back into the streets. And so that's what I did. And unfortunately, that led me to getting arrested and potentially facing 30 years in prison. Uh, But when those prison doors shut, 
on me and the reality that this could be my life, uh, my journey to where I am now um, seemed to have become uh, prominently uh, more important at that moment than it ever had been before. And this is not a narrative that is unfamiliar to our community. It's not a narrative that, or story that uh, we don't already grapple with. Um, but the day the door shut for me um, was also the day my heart opened to the possibility that I was built for more, purpose for more, and that these concrete walls and center blocks that surrounded me were not going to be my destiny. Um, and you'll you'll never forget. I'm sure you got a, another question, but I will say this: you'll you never forget the eerie clank of a door in prison closing on you. It echoes, mm. and in in that echo, I felt like I was hearing voices of people who fought for me, my my grandmother, my my uncles, and everybody who would cheer me on, and I felt like I betrayed them at that point, and so. That was the beginning of the turning point in my life. So you're in prison. You hear these doors go. They close. What? How do you frame yourself? How do you keep yourself in the right mindset during that time? How do you stay positive? I didn't. I didn't stay positive. I actually began to go deeper and deeper into that toxic mindset of, okay, this is my life. I'm going to have to man up and just own my decision and survive in this place. And it was quite frightening uh, to be that dark. And it was exhausting to be that angry. Uh, And I didn't want it. And uh, I just didn't know how to shake it. And so the only thing I could do in in that moment was rely on the fact that there were people who gave their lives, sacrificed a great deal in order for me to have a better life. And I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to turn this around for them because I owe. And at that moment, I felt like I was becoming a generational thief and the debt was so great that I had to repay it somehow. And uh, I was determined that if I ever got out, that's exactly what I would do. Okay, fast forward, you're out. (laughs) You come out. What's the mindset at that point? So uh, the fascinating part about my story is I was in what is called pre-trial detention. And pre-trial detention is simply, um, now this is is going back a ways. This is in the 90s, okay? And so pre-trial detention is you are arrested, charged, but you haven't been processed. So bail hasn't been set. You know, there's been no arraignment, but you're in jail. And I was in there for six months like that, okay? Um, no, no official charge, no, no arraignment, no bail posting, just sitting in jail, waiting for all these things mm. for six months. Mm-hmm. And on a Sunday of all days, uh, which, you know, if you have any knowledge of, of the criminal <laughs> justice system, that doesn't happen. On a Sunday of all days, they come and get me out of my cell, um, put me in a van, and I'm like, where are we going? Uh, we get to this you know, federal building, they take me inside, and I'm going into a judge's chamber, federal judge. And uh, 
I go inside, the prosecutor's in there, my attorney, a gentleman I didn't know, and the judge. And I sit down and the judge simply says to me, uh, son, do you want to go to jail? Or do you want to go to school? And I said, well, let me, uh, let me weigh those options. Right? <laughs> <laughs> let me think about this. <laughs> let me think about it for a second. And I said, no, man, I want to go to school, like for real. And, and so that day they put me in this program called Give Me a Chance. And it was the gentleman I didn't know, his name was Bill Owens. And he had a program for adjudicated youth. Um, and uh, they put me in this program and allowed me to go to college instead of going to prison, changing my life forever. Um, never fully charged, charges dropped, records sealed. Uh, so there was no felony record behind any of it. And it's an amazing thing. And so from that place, I decided that now, okay, here's my shot. And I have to do everything I possibly can to make sure I'm not a generational thief and that I'm creating generational equity and I'm making sure I'm helping somebody else live a better life. And so from that day forward, I began to speak and talk all over the country about my experience, all that I went through. And what I learned was that, you know, the route that you take is really the most important part of the journey. It's not the destination, mm. okay? It, the destination is the destination, but the route is the preparation for where you're headed. And, and so it, it's a very, very important that whatever route you're on, that you embrace it wholeheartedly and you understand that this is the thing that's preparing you for where you're going. And so all that I went through, through my childhood years, teenage years, and I haven't even touched all that trauma, but all that I went through uh, with all of that was kind of preparation for what I do now. And so I begin to speak everywhere I can uh, to help young people to understand their purpose and potential. And then as I progressed in my life, um, I was able to go back and kind of pick up on some work that my father had begun back in Baltimore. And I've done that for the last 18 years of my life, uh, making sure there's uh, access to high quality education for low income families, making sure that there are pathways uh, to affordable wage jobs through our workforce development programs. Uh, ma making sure that we are building sustainable communities uh, by understanding that where we live is innately valuable and it should not be devalued because of levels of crime. And so how do we work together with different partners to bring resources back into our community so that we're not living in urban deserts or rural deserts for that matter. And so that's kind of been my work uh, through uh, my church and also my uh, CDC that I had set up. And now I've relocated to Dallas, Texas and joined the TDJ Foundation. And we're doing similar type of work, but at a larger scale. And I'm very excited about that as well. You are the founder of Life, Life Prep and you're currently serve as the Chief Engagement and Fulfillment Officer for the TDJ Foundation. What are you working on right now currently um, in that component? Well, we believe that opportunity doesn't always need to be a window. Sometimes it needs to be a bridge. In certain communities, we need to make sure that we're creating access for individuals for the opportunities that are available, particularly in, in, in working uh, as well as education. So the TDJ Foundation is all about transforming lives and building sustainable communities.
And so the things that we're working on right now is to make sure that our communities are built in a sustainable way, that's housing, that's access to um, uh, being able to rent first and then progress up into ownership, uh, as well as having access to, to jobs that perhaps uh, corporations don't even realize that they have the workforce that they need. Uh, because oftentimes is the disconnect is in the networks that you have, right? Uh, and so we're becoming that bridge between corporate entities and community and bringing them together to create pathways um, for uh, generational wealth building and generational equity. And so this is a project that we're scaling up all throughout the country. And so just by a small snippet, by example, uh, we just sent 3,500 students from DISD, Dallas, uh, public mm -hmm. school system mm -hmm. uh, to go see Hamilton in cooperation with uh, Pepsi Frito-Lay mm -hmm. and uh, built a whole STEAM curriculum around that experience uh, when they go see that play. And so working at both ends of the spectrum from education all the way into adulthood, workforce development and community building and community development uh, really creates the ecosystem that's necessary uh, to create the generational equity that we're talking about. I love T.D. Jakes. I mean, I listen to him consistently throughout the day. For me, I have to have different things throughout the day in my day to kind of keep me going. Um, for you, because you're working with him side by side, what have you learned most? What have you? What are you? What kind of nuggets um, oh. has he has he given you that you can share with the world? How long is your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I can only imagine. Um, uh, the, the wealth of wisdom and the warmth of his mentorship uh, is everything. And um, I can't say that uh, there's one particular thing I could put my head on in terms of learning. I'm constantly learning from him. But what I learned the most is the importance of the level of responsibility that you must have to make sure that you're helping people live better. And the weight of that responsibility and the seriousness of it and why it's so important because there's a generation coming up um, that's gonna need us to make sure that we didn't give them our pain, but we help to give them the promise that we might not have had. And so, that's some of the things that I'm learning from him. How important this work is, how feverishly you have to go after it, and why it's so important. And so uh, it's I pinch myself every day yeah. that I, I get to breathe the same air of this man. Yeah. And I'm really deeply honored to work with him. How does he juggle? I mean, how do you see, do you, how does he juggle from one thing to another, from sermon to, I mean, like entrepreneur to, Pro TV projects, film. I mean, he all across the gamut. I couldn't even imagine his day to day, how busy his schedule must be. How do you, how does he, how do you watch him juggle and how does, does he do it effortlessly? <laughs> that's does, how it he, seems. He does do it effortlessly. And he wow. would probably say, I don't want to speak for him, but he would yeah. probably say he compartmentalizes. Mm. And, and, but I have seen him move seamlessly from having a conversation with presidents or with kings to having to preach to his congregation, to having to put on his entrepreneur's hat and, and conduct business. 
Um, it's an amazing thing to watch, uh, but it's who he is. All of those pieces of him is who he is. And so um, I would imagine that uh, the effortlessness of it all is because that's who he is. That's who he is. And, that, and that's why he thrives the way he does. You can pick up on how genuine he is. Um, talk about 50 can. I know you're the chairman of that. Um, what kind of, what communities are you impacting and, and what's the importance of that organization? 50 can is uh, one of the largest education advocacy organizations in the country. Uh, its work is extremely important because again, working at the foundational level, grassroots and treetops level of education is what's required to create transformative change. So 50CAN is, is locally led, but nationally supported organization. So for example, if you were in North Carolina or Georgia or New York or New Jersey uh, or Connecticut or <laughs> any of those places, and you wanted to advocate for uh, you know, funding, equitable funding for your child's school, well, 50CAN has partners and networks within those particular locations that helps you to be able to have um, your voice heard in the effort uh, for equitable funding or whatever policy you could possibly think of. And so it's a really cool uh, way of grassroots advocacy connected and tied uh, to treetop advocacy. When I say treetop, I mean high level conversations with legislators, the governor, your state senators, uh, so forth and so on, so that when they're going for their legislative sessions, the policy that you're advocating for is going to require them to be able to have a vote. So you need a two two part strategy. Fifty can uh, stands for can stands for campaign for achievement now. Okay, and so they're in thirteen states uh, so far, but a broad coalition across the country with different partners and uh, very proud of the work that we do there in terms of policy and advocacy. Um, what's three tips you can provide to an entrepreneur who may be listening or watching um, to kind of, let's say this is for an someone who's in the game. They've been, let's say five to seven years in, um, maybe in a bit stuck or in, in, a, in a bit of a flux. What's some tips you can provide them to get to the next level, next step? Uh, I, I would say that number one, don't quit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Reject, reject, reject the urge to quit, to fight. Uh, being an entrepreneur in and of itself uh, is, is hard. It is not an easy thing to do, but you can't quit on it. Second thing I would encourage you to do is to make sure that you are checking and rechecking Who's feeding you? Who's helping you uh, to mature and to grow on your journey to accomplishing what you want to accomplish? And if you look at that list and it is a small, small amount of people compared to the number of people that you're feeding, then you need to reevaluate those relationships. If there are more people, that are that are pulling from you than are giving to you you need to connect 
and and develop balance in that area. You cannot keep pouring out and giving out, okay, without having something poured back in. So maybe you need to reevaluate uh, your connections and who's feeding you and who's helping you to develop and who's helping you to grow. Because oftentimes when we when we start burning out, it's because we don't have anybody helping to build us up. And so you have to find that circle, that group, the mentor in your head, <laughs> the, the group online, um, whatever it might be to help uh, uh, cultivate that for you so that you're not drained all the time. Last thing I would say is take breaks, okay? You're gonna get there, you're gonna get there. And uh, the reason I say take breaks is because you have to give yourself time to reboot, time to refocus, time to see what's essential and what's not essential, to reevaluate the things that you're doing. Uh, and in each iteration of your process, that should kind of be your flow. Is this working? Is this not working? Is this relationship valuable? Is it not valuable? And you need time to assess all of those things. And if you're just in it all the time, you're never going to take a step back to see is what you're doing working. So maybe you have to change your methods, okay? Uh, but certainly don't change how you're trying to move toward your goals. Oh, I love that answer. It's so true. Um, I think as, I mean, I'm 14 years in as an entrepreneur, but you're right. It's the, that, that circle part and the feeding and knowing that you can't, you can't do it all yourself. You got to have a team. And um, it's not just a team that's working for you where you think you're working in your business, you know, day to day, but really that, that outside world team, that, that personal team, all of those components plays a part in how you maneuver. Um, let's talk about that. Well, how, what's the power of your circle? What does your circle look like? Oh man, it's incredible. And even now, the things that I'm doing right now in my own life, I have a phenomenal group of people around me helping me uh, whether from the, the uh, obviously Bishop Jakes is, is, is my mentor um, and that's an incredible relationship in and of itself. But in terms of other individuals, contemporaries, people I can throw stuff off of, bounce stuff off of, uh, individuals that, you know, uh, I can connect with intellectually, all of that's very important and it's phenomenal. Uh, but then building your team to help you get to where you want to go is vital. And so I've surrounded myself with individuals who have more strengths in a certain area where I'm weak, okay? Because if, if you surround yourself with individuals who have the same level of strengths, it becomes competitive. But if you surround yourself with individuals who are better than you in certain areas, they're completion to you, compliment yes. to you. Yeah. Okay, not a competitor to you. Yeah. And so you can let them flow in their lane and do what they do. Uh, and then you can all rise and shine. And so that's what I've surrounded myself with now. And it's been absolutely incredible. I love that. I love that. So you're just flowing with energy. You can, you can bounce off each other's energy and just flow in that space. Absolutely. There are people gifted and suited for uh, a particular task of what you're doing. Um, you know, I'm launching a book this year. Well, in January anyway. And I've surrounded myself with a whole team of individuals that's helping that effort. And it's just been absolutely great. You know, everything's going to happen in the context of your relationships and who you surround yourself with and, and who's in your corner and, and, and who's working with you or able to work with you. And so building that component 
to your your dream is vitally important. What do you do for yourself? How do you dive deep uh, internally? How do you stay grounded so that you're able to give of yourself fully uh, to all that you're doing? How, what do you do for yourself to do that? Yeah, um, I always give to me, right? Um, I'm going to take time for me. My morning time is everything. So early in the morning, <laughs> it's my routine. Yeah. That's my that's my grounded devotional time, meditation time for myself before my day even gets going so I can get focused. But then also I have I have a me day uh, every week. OK, I have a me day where I'm just doing me, whatever that might be. Could be golf, could be shopping, could be eating. But whatever I want to do that day. OK, I'm doing that. And uh, that that helps to keep me centered and focused on um, all the efforts that I have out there and all the people that I'm helping. Uh, and it doesn't it, it it doesn't take any time away from those things. It, it's actually an investment to make sure um, I'm good. And uh, I think that's very important. I do the same thing. That's so funny. What's what's your day? Yeah. Do you have a certain day? My days are Sunday. Do you have a day yeah. that you do what specific day? So my days are not Sunday. My days are actually Monday. Monday Mine's is Sunday. my day. Okay. So, so, so is on, Monday. So Monday is my day. And Monday I do whatever yeah. <laughs> I want to do. Yeah, it's your day. But I, I just recently, maybe it, actually in the midst of COVID, I was kind of forced, but I realized, right. and then as, you know, as things have opened up and you kind of got back into somewhat of a routine is, you know, you know, you know, have you want to look at this? Um, right, right. I still kept it, but it's, it's so needed. I've learned two things in this, the power of the pause, knowing that you can't just keep going, 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 you got to stop. And you really have to pause how necessary yeah. that is. And the other yeah. component is just that, that day, that day where I don't, it's no plans of doing this and doing what it's whatever I need to do. If that's getting yeah. my nails done, if it's, I don't know, reading a book, if it's watching, a, if it's talking to the phone to my girlfriend, whatever it is, it's whatever my day. It but yeah, you know right. what, when you finish that day, you're rejuvenated. I'm ready to go for the week. So it, that's where, you know, it's like your, um, it's like your body is your, is your car. And that's yeah. your gas, you know, yeah. you're, you're feeling, you got to fill you got to fill your gas tank up. So yeah. it's important to find it's, the ways to fill your gas tank up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm always in front of people. I'm always talking and working yeah. with people, I, but I refuel yeah. by myself. I yes, me myself. too. Me <laughs> yeah. too. Um, what, what are your spiritual practices? Do you meditate or do you have something that you do uh, spiritually every day? Yeah, every day is a daily devotion and meditation for me. My day starts with prayer every day. Uh, prayer, reading a scripture, and then meditating on that every day. Um, I've been doing that forever. And uh, that is my spiritual practice and, and stay grounded uh, in that way. Um, I'll, I'll often say, you know, instead of just saying I'm a human being, I, I say I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Um, and so my foundation, my, my root, my foundation is built on that spiritual practice. And um, uh, I get frustrated. Like if there are days where I miss my morning, it's like, oh man, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta have a reset. Now, I don't beat myself up your whole about day, it. kind of. It just throws yeah. the whole day off because know. you, you know, yeah. you didn't get grounded that day and get settled. Um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's only when I travel do I have difficulty sometimes, but if, if I'm stationary, I'm good. 
Um, but when I'm traveling a lot, sometimes it's hard. Um, however, that's my, that's my spiritual practice. Yeah. Okay. If you had to finish this sentence, how would you finish this sentence? I am a. Wow. Um, that's a great question. I, I would say I am a human being. Um, I, I think um, that statement in itself is extremely powerful because most of us spend time as being human doings instead of being human beings. You know, God created human beings, not human doings. And you could get caught up in your, your, your performance orientation so much so that you forget who you really are. And so I would say I'm a human being. Well, I like that answer. Okay, and a master of a? <laughs> you throwing them at me. Okay, so, so all right, I am a human being and a master of human language. Yeah, okay. I, I speak human. <laughs> Who can control my own destiny? Tell me before you leave, I want to ask you about your book. What can we expect about your book that you're releasing in the new year? Yeah, so I wrote this book. It's called Wrong Lanes Have Right Turns. Uh, the title is actually based upon something that really happened to me. Um, I was at a turning point in my life and I had to make a decision. And it was a rough decision because it was going to require me to actually go to jail. <laughs> and um, and so uh, I was on the run from federal officers and I was headed to Florida and my mother contacted me on the next level two ways is how far we go back mm -hmm. and <laughs> she told me that whatever it is I was running from we could face together mm -hmm. and uh, I should turn around and come back and uh I got out left. I said, okay, I, I'll hit you back up. And I had no intentions of turning around. I was going to keep going. And I got in my car and decided, you know what? Let me turn around. But I was in the wrong lane at a very busy intersection. And I had to roll my window down at flag people down, ask for help. And everybody helped me to get over. And I was able to make a right turn. Thus the title, Wrong Lanes Have Right Turns. And I wrote this book to say that we're all one decision away, one decision away from being incarcerated, one decision away from being redeemed. And the overall essence of the book is to show that human beings are redeemable. And if we would make the right decisions as a society, we would prove the fact that even when we're going in the wrong direction, we can still make the right turn. Even if we're in the wrong lane, we can still make the right turn. And so it's a journey. It's a journey that I'm asking everybody to go on with me. I guess the backdrop of my personal story and the history of systemic issues that we've been plagued with uh, for generations and what we can do to solve some of those problems. And so it's an amazing, amazing story that I hope uh, will be engaging and informing and encouraging to everybody who reads it. And it's available now for pre-order everywhere books are sold. You can go to michaelphillipsbook.info uh, or Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or anywhere you want to go and uh, pre-order it today and it will be available uh, for you on January 25th. If anyone wants to follow you on, on your journey, how can they go about doing that? 
Absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram at Mike Phillips official, Facebook at Mike Phillips official on Twitter at official Mike Phillips 74, uh, or you can go to www.michaelphillips.info uh, and read all about me and follow me there. And just remember the destination does not prepare you for the route. The route prepares you for the destination. Mm, it sure does. Um, I would like to wrap with a segment that I call tell and tell, which is a play on the word show and tell. What is something that you can tell our audience uh, about yourself, a secret, if you will, that no one knows about you? A secret that nobody yes, knows about a me. a secret that no one knows. Okay. A tell secret now. that no, that a secret that nobody knows about me is that yes. I love musicals. Mm. You love musicals. <laughs> okay, but well, you can't just leave it there. I got it. What's your favorite musical? Oh man. Uh, okay. So wow, you really gonna go there? Okay. Top <laughs> just, top three. I'll give me top, top three. That's good. Yeah. I I give you my top three. Okay. The Wiz. Mm -hmm. uh, ha Hamilton. Okay. And Greece. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm with you on all three of those. Gotta go with Greece. So yeah, uh, you know, I, you know, you can't tell nobody though. Know, just, uh, just big <laughs> six foot three guy. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for dropping some nuggets of wisdom with our audience. I'm going to be following along and tagging along with your journey. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It was great. Well, that's it for this episode of the Journey Told Show. I'm going to leave you with words that my father would so often say to me, and that's to be the best version of you that you can be. Until next time, folks, let that sizzle in your spirit.